Hey y'all, we're back. I thought this time we'd talk about the Smith & Wesson Model 19. Now that's a revolver produced by Smith that was introduced in 1957 on the K-frame. Uh, the Model 19 is chambered for a 357 Magnum, and the K-frame is somewhat smaller and lighter than the original N-frame 357, usually known as a Smith & Wesson Model 27. The stainless steel variant of the Model 19 is the Smith & Wesson Model 66, and that came out in 1971. The 357 Magnum is the oldest Magnum handgun cartridge, and Smith & Wesson played a major part in the development and success of the cartridge and revolver that went with it. Firearms writer and experimenter uh, Philip Sharp is credited with the development during the 1930s when police agencies uh, were asking for more powerful rounds. Uh, Smith & Wesson's uh, Douglas B. Wesson agreed to produce a new revolver that would handle high-intensity 38 special loads, but only if Winchester would develop a new cartridge. Now, Elmer Keith, a well-known author and wildcatter at the time, was experimenting with uh, hand-loading uh, 38 special ammunition beyond their original specs. Taking advantage of the newer and better designed firearm frames and uh, metallurgy, and also played a major role in the development of the 357 Magnum. Winchester introduced the 357 Magnum, which is dimensionally identical to the 38 Special, except for a uh, 125,000 inch longer case, and for the first revolvers, referred to as 357 Magnum models, were completed by Smith & Wesson on April 8, 1935. Retired Assistant Chief Patrol Inspector of the U.S. Border Patrol was a famous gunfighter and noted firearms and shooting skills writer. His name, Bill Jordan, consulted with Smith & Wesson on the design and characteristics of the Model 19. Uh, Jordan's idea for a peace officer's dream sidearm was a heavy barrel 4-inch K-frame 357 Magnum with a shrouded barrel, like the big N-frame 357s and adjustable sights. After a year of experimentation with improved strength steels and special heat-treated processes, the uh, result was the 357 Combat Magnum, later designated the Model 19. It was with the first serial-numbered gun at K26260000. Uh, Those just call it 2260000. It was presented to Jordan on uh, November 15, 1955. In uh, the 357 Magnum 4-inch barrel models was the standard issue to uniformed officers of the U.S. Immigration and Naturalization Services as well as the patrol agents of the U.S. Border Patrol. That was until both agencies adopted the 40 caliber semi-automatic pistols. A rare Smith & Wesson M19-3 was built for the French GIGN. That was in 1972 when they ordered 500 of these revolvers that have serial numbers in the MNP range from uh, Delta 639,300 to 639,800 with only 500 guns produced. These are amongst the rarest M19 versions. This specific model, 19-3, uh, has a fixed sights and is pinned in recess. It also has a 3-inch barrel. The Model 19 was produced in blued carbon steel or nickel-plated steel with wood or rubber combat grips, an adjustable rear sight, 
full target or semi-automatic hammer, uh, serrated wide trigger, uh, target trigger, or combat type trigger, and was available in a 2.5 inch. Uh, now remember, the 3 inch Model 66 are very rare, and a 4, 6 inch barrel length. The weights are 30.5 ounces, 36 ounces, and 39 ounces respectively. The 2.5 and uh, 3 inch barrel versions had round butts while the others had squared off butts. The Model 19 was produced from 1957, first, number, uh, first model number stampings, uh, to November 1999. The Model 66 was produced from 1970 to 2005. The Model 66 differed by its use of stainless steel and its smooth target grip, uh, target type trigger. And um, the Model 68 was a limited production version of the Model 66 made for the California Highway Patrol, the LAPD, and it was chambered in 38 Special with a 6-inch barrel. The Model 19 and the Model 66 had the same trigger options. One of the last ver variations of the Model 19 was ordered by, by the police was the 2.5-inch model 19.-5, uh, special ordered under SKU number uh, 100,701 as a standard issue sidearm for special agents of the U.S. Department of State's Diplomatic Security Service. This model featured a uh, 400 thousandths wide smooth combat trigger, Pacmire Professional Compact Rubber Grips, and most notably, it was done in a matte black finish instead of the common high-polished uh, blue. Engineers changes were designated with a dash number after the model number. And uh, there's a few things you might not know about uh, Smith & Wesson. It's because their origins can be traced back as far as 1850 with Horace Smith and D.B. Wesson first becoming acquainted while working as subcontractors supervising the manufacturing of different firearms at the Robbins and Lawrence Company in Windsor, Vermont. It's speculated that uh, it is here where the two men first had the opportunity to discuss their dreams of producing a firearm that was a repeater and would use a full self-contained cartridge. Now, after uh, more than 160 years in existence, the company created by their eventual partnership is one of the most uh, well-respected of its kind. You might imagine uh, a lot can happen and be forgotten during such an expensive history. With that in mind, here are 10 things that you might not know about Smith & Wesson. The facts below were put together with the help of, uh, from Smith & Wesson and the company's historian, historian Roger Jinks. For additional information, they tell us to uh, in, uh, interested readers might consider picking up uh, History of Smith & Wesson, which is authored, or uh, Images of Smith & Wesson by Jinks, and Sandra C. Klein. Uh, Smith & Wesson failed in their first venture. By 1852, the two men had uh, a prototype lever-action repeating pistol and had formed a partnership to produce the new style firearm in Norwich, Connecticut. Although the designs would later be recognized as an invaluable step forward, the firm failed and by 1854, Horace Smith and D.B. Wesson were forced to sell the company to Oliver Winchester, who happened to be a shirt manufacturer from New Haven, Connecticut. 
The original design by Smith & Wesson reached its full potential in 1866 when it emerged as the basic design for the famous Winchester repeating rifle. D.B. Weston actually worked for Winchester. After their original firm failed, Wesson agreed to stay on and work as a plant superintendent uh, to help Oliver Winchester get his new plant operating. While in his employment, Wesson designed a small revolver that fired a rimfire cartridge that he and Smith would later patent. After discussing the design with Horace, the two decided to reform the Smith & Wesson Company in uh, Springfield, Massachusetts. The first tip-up revolver. The first revolver models made by Smith & Wesson were called tip-up models. Uh, for the revolver to function, the barrel is tipped up and folded forward over the top strap. The cylinder is then removed for reloading. Once the cartridges had been fired, a barrel is again tipped up, the cylinder is removed, and the cartridges are pushed out using a rammer rod that was underneath the barrel. Smith & Wesson's cartridge development, now more commonly known for their production of firearms, Smith & Wesson has also played a leading role in the development of many today's most popular cartridges. Among those credited to the company include the 22 short, 32 Smith & Wesson, 32 Smith & Wesson Long, 32 44, 38 Smith & Wesson, 38 44 Smith & Wesson, 38 Special. Uh, 357 Smith & Wesson Magnum, 40 Smith & Wesson, 41 Mag, 44 American, 44 Russian, 44 Smith & Wesson Special, 45 Smith & Wesson Schofield, 460 Smith & Wesson Magnum, and the 500 Smith & Wesson Mag. In the humble beginnings, the first home of Smith & Wesson was in a small shop at 5 Market Street in Springfield. At that time, in 1857, Smith & Wesson was the smallest of four arms manufacturers in the city. The demand for the company's new revolver and its cartridges soon outgrew the capabilities of the 25-man shop, forcing Smith & Wesson to relocate to a new factory on Stockbridge Street in 1859. The move was well-timed, and as the demand for firearms would skyrocket two years later when the American Civil War began in earnest, um, wartime production helped uh, to establish Smith & Wesson as one of the leading gun manufacturers in the United States. The modern-day plant is built like a bunker. Everybody used to talk about that. But the current Smith & Wesson uh, plant resides at 2100 Roosevelt uh, Avenue in Springfield, Massachusetts. Constructed for the pl uh, construction for the plant began in the late 1940s and was built entirely out of uh, poured concrete with reinforced steel supports. The factory was designed with enough space so that operations could be moved to the underground level in event of an attack without halting production. The enormous amount of press generated uh, by the new plant and the bunker mentality of the 1940s led to uh, numerous rumors about a duplicate underground Smith & Wesson factory. Uh, there's an in-house historian. In 1970, Smith & Wesson uh, added Roy Jinks to the company's roster as the official Smith & Wesson historian. One of Roy's duties as Smith & Wesson historian is to send out official factory letters to individuals who inquire about a particular firearm. The service is available to any Smith & Wesson owner for a, a princely fee of 50 bucks. The company has long been at the forefront of the Magnum cartridge development for handguns. Long known for innovation, Smith & Wesson has been at the forefront of cartridge development for decades. In 1935, Dan Wesson's grandson, Colonel Douglas B. Wesson, 
worked in conjunction with Winchester Ammunition, and Elmer Keith and Phil Sharp to develop the uh, 357 Magnum cartridge and the 357 Smith & Wesson Magnum revolver. At that time, the 357 was the most powerful handgun ever produced. Then in the early 50s, Keith pushed Smith & Wesson to produce a revolver that was capable of handling increased pressures. The end result was the Smith & Wesson 44 Magnum, which again was known for years uh, and years to come, the most powerful handgun in the world. It was, of course, later topped out by uh, the company's 4500 uh, Smith & Wesson Magnum. Uh, big names were uh, painted some of the company's earliest advertisements. In the earliest uh, early 20th century, Smith & Wesson commissioned several artists to create advertising work. Perhaps the most famous of these was Frederick Remington. He was a painter, illustrator, sculptor, and writer who specialized in depictions of the old uh, American West. In uh, 1902, Remington was commissioned to paint four black and white oil paintings of Western scenes that were used in advertisement. Now, for 10 cents silver, a customer could purchase a 14 by 15 inch poster of each advertisement. These ads ran in Collier's Weekly, Cosmopolitan, Harper's Monthly, and Shriver's, among others. The company produces more than just firearms. Now, today, Smith & Wesson offers a variety of specialty services to uh, external customers. The company's uh, expertise in forging, heat treatment, custom tool manufacturing, and grinding as well as plating and finishing, are all contracted out by some of the most well-known brands in the United States. These clients include companies in the automobile, aerospace industry, appliances, and all kinds of other people. That was a little bit of trivia I hope you picked up on and, and take it and pass it on to your children and all that good shit. Anyway, uh, if you've got any bitches, gripes, or complaints, feel free to drop me an email at gunsmoke at yahoo.com. That's G-U-N-S-M, smoke, at yahoo.com. So until the next time, y'all take care.